Welcome to the Long Come Norwich podcast, an emergency assemble as we look into the mire of a potential relegation battle, although maybe some of us thought we were already going to be in there. I'm joined as ever by our Long Come Norwich founders, John Punt. Hello. Andrew Lorne. Hey, Rick. And away match reviewer on Long Come Norwich stalwart, Fionn Thomas. Hello. Now, there's only one place to start, and that is actually one of the first questions that came in on the Long Come Norwich mailbag for this episode. What happens if we lose against Watford on Friday night? Will it be alarm bell, panic button central, Andrew Lorne? Uh, no, nothing will change. Everyone seems to have accepted that we're relegated already, particularly you. So we'll all just continue to enjoy the rest of the season, safe in the knowledge that nothing matters. You second that punt? No. Um, <laughs> and the re- <laughs> I, I'd love to, to agree with Lorne's sentiment, but the thing that worries me more than anything, and it's the thing that was brilliant about last season, is the atmosphere was just so special. And it's already really, really obvious on social media, particularly if you look at Facebook, um, that people are ready with their pitchforks. And if we go 1-0 down to Watford, um, I think it's going to get proper poisonous, proper quickly. And as much as none of us, none of us, you know, kind of on this podcast want that to happen, I just think people are are almost baying for blood already. And it's horrible because the club were at pains. They they slapped us in the face, and I've said this many times, but they slapped us in the face with the fact that we're going to go through these kinds of runs during the season and actually everyone needs to stick together. And there's, there's a real hardcore possible minority there could be the, the vocal minority but they're they're ready they are absolutely ready and you see all the where's the money gone and all those kinds of comments and it, i think it's could get ridiculous quite quickly and i don't see how anyone can enjoy that i think that i think there is an element that people are paying for blood almost out of habit i think there's an element yeah. that we we are a very whingy fan base and some former players have have kind of shared that anecdotally on our podcast and on others um, that that Norwich does get a bit whingy and and opposing managers have made the point that if you can get the crowd on top of them that you know the, the Norwich 12th man is is can be used for or against you um Fion, do you think there's a there's there's a case that because we haven't had much to really moan and get arsy about for a while maybe the Carrow Road faithful are, are kind of itching to have a whinge about something yeah, well, I think uh, I think the accounts coming out this week was uh, was great for everyone who loves to have a whinge about that because that's something you can really get your teeth into. Um, yeah, uh, I think if we lose, the atmosphere will not be great, obviously. Um, but I'm hopeful that because it is a Friday night, there that maybe that kind of sort of Saturday afternoon complacency of the atmosphere hopefully might not be there. I'm hoping that the crowd will recognise how big this game is and that we need to get a really big atmosphere going on Friday night. And if we can get the lead, then I think it will be good from there. But yeah, if we go 1-0 down, uh, like John, I'm a bit worried. I think it's first goal wins on Friday yeah. night. Whoever scores first wins the game. And also, actually, I think Phil makes a good point about it being Friday night. Now, TV games getting moved, or games getting moved for TV, rightly gets a lot of stick. But I do enjoy a Friday night game at Carrowd. If we win. Yeah. yeah, otherwise, well, yeah. otherwise, it's your whole weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd much rather play on a Friday night and lose than I would play at 4.30 on a Sunday and lose. Yeah, there's a bit more time it. to get over it. Yeah, yeah. I actually agree that 
uh, Friday night game of all of the Skyjack times, a Friday night game is, is the best. I mean, playing late on a, on a Sunday um, when you're not even on telly, um, and so therefore it doesn't even benefit people who couldn't get a ticket. Um, obviously, not including um, illegal streams, etc., is even more galling, especially when it's then such an awful performance. Um, I, I, is Skyjack your term? No, not at all. Um, That's been, excellent. It has been around for a very long time. I wouldn't claim credit for that. I don't really. I think that. But thank you. And I think the for me the, the warning signs and the concerning concerning things. And and this is this we've had this conversation in WhatsApp. So let's bring it onto the pod. Uh, I'd be interested to have to have Fionn's take on this as well. I we knew that the we knew that the squad overachieved last season. We knew that going into the season, we didn't strengthen. There's no money. The accounts coming out, as, as Fiona said, have kind of underlined that. You know, we, we you know we're we're in the red. We don't have any money. Um, so we 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 knew we weren't going to have the players to necessarily kick on at this level. It was going to be about whether or not we could enjoy the football, um, and whether or not th- th- this football would 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 bring us chances and bring us results. Now the the, the chances have dried up. There's no getting away from that. The quality of football has gone downhill. And what we said, and, and I, I don't think my opinion has changed at all, I am more than happy to go down if we're going to play a similar style of football um, as we did last year. The problem we've got is that we are not playing anything like the style of football in the last three, four games. And what seems to have happened from my uh, standpoint is very, very similar to what happened in Farker's first season in the championship. There are very worrying telltale signs for me that um, now there's enough tape on Norwich in the Prem. Um, those first few games where we were playing expressively out from the back and we were beating the press, we're not doing that anymore. Um, whether or not it is that teams, um, even Man-, Man United, who don't seem to be able to stop anyone, they were able to completely snuff out our our, our way of moving the ball about. Um, and and really restrict the chances we created. Um, now, whether that's by marching up the, the pitch and kind of trying to pin us in or, or working out different ways of pinning us in, because obviously Chelsea and Manchester City didn't manage to do it as well. But again, they've now seen they've now seen there's enough on tape to, to see how to stop us. And it almost feels like Farker needs this season to learn, like he did in the first um, championship season. He then came back with, actually, here's how I have plan A+. plus. It didn't exactly go to plan B, but he came up with ways of changing the game from the bench. He came up with ways of doing all the things that, you know, those who weren't necessarily impressed with the first season said he had to do in that second season. I think there's an element of that. Well, the fear for me is that you're not going to get a second bite of the apple. I don't, if, if we continue on this, on this, in this way, we're going to be relegated mathematically quite early on. Plan A is not going to work. Um, there has to be a plan B. And I, I appreciate we want to just make plan A better, but we haven't got the money to do that in January. We can't make plan A better. I don't think we've got the talent to play the way we want to in the Premier League. So therefore, what we need to see, especially if, if plan A works on Friday, fine. It was, it, you know, it's been a glitch. Fair enough. We, we are going to pick up enough points maybe to, to survive. But if we lose Friday, it, they, we need to take a long, hard look at ourselves and go, right. We, we do need a plan B. That they, We need yeah, to coach a different way well, of playing. I think no, there's, I an, there's I think... an element of what you're saying, but it, it all comes back to injuries. Like, yeah. We don't have the quality to play the way that we want to play with our first-choice defensive midfielder playing centre-half. Like, we, we can't play the way we want to play with the amount of injuries we've got. And my concern is that the injuries are now at a point where they're starting to affect confidence. 
but it's too simplistic to just say, well, plan A isn't working. We're not good enough. We need to spend a shit ton of money. Um, we're getting relegated. Well, I didn't say we're getting relegated. I said if we can, if we continue, to, if planning continues not to work, there has to be a change of, of option. Now, I, I I agree that not being able to defend as well as we'd like, you can point to the injuries for that. You could point to maybe we're not getting, the, we're not moving the ball as well out the back as we would like, um, and with a bit more confidence, you know, earlier in the season that we had, we were doing it. But Emmy's not injured, Pookie's not injured, Steeperman's not injured. Um, no, but McLean's no not injured, Lightning's not injured, off. Campwell's not injured. No, but the point is we, that we are still getting the ball into midfield occasionally, and it's from there that we are not able to, to, to move the ball. So the point is you need to coach up and coach around the fact that, okay, maybe we do need to skip that first phase. Maybe we do need to chip it into midfield and then play from there. You know, if, if we are if we are not able to beat the press for that first wave, we need to find another pattern, another way of but getting the, Campwell, on the, getting Brendia on the ball, that, and that is coaching. The problem isn't that we're losing the ball uh, from people pressing us and then we're conceding goals because we've been caught out of the back. The problem is when we lose the ball higher up the pitch. No, it isn't. The problem is when we lose the ball higher up the pitch, we've got no protection for the defence. Yeah. So all the goals come from us losing the ball in the opposition's final third, not in our... No, it's, we're not losing not it at the Villa. back. We're losing not, it high up the pitch. Against Villa. Against, yeah, Villa, we against, Villa. By, against Villa, we were losing it from... Uh, well, two of the goals came ostensibly from, you know, our most talented player, Brendia, gave the ball away twice. Okay, he was running on empty, apparently. and But I, I don't see how, how he... I don't see how injuries at the back are causing Brendia to be running on empty. I, for me, I... That's I, my I, point, I, is Brendia is losing the ball high up the pitch, and then when Brendia loses the ball... What's that got to do with Simbo had... being out? What's that got because to do with close before, to being injured? Before, when Buendia lost the ball high up the pitch, you had Teti or Tribal or Vrancic or someone to mop up afterwards. We haven't got that at the moment because our we defense field is a try and set Tribal's been back for 90 minutes, though. Well, probably about 120 minutes. Tribal is, and you saw that on, uh, on Saturday. I mean, I watched most of the game. Tribal was nowhere near match sharpness. I think Lorne absolutely has a semblance of a point here that the whole absolutely in semblance <laughs> well right. I'll, take it. I'll take it a semblance of a point in so much as norwich city squad has been constructed based on what you've referred to tom as plan a in terms of play out from the back have players that are comfortable at the back playing out um you know and giving it to the likes of a moritz leitner who is then subsequently adequately protected by a tribal by a teddy ideally this season by ibrahim amadou and that is fundamental. So, you know, when the ball gets fizzed into the potentially the, the attacking thirds, actually, if there isn't an option on, they can go back, they can recycle play, and they are safe in the knowledge that they're absolutely able to recycle play because we've got the personnel to be able to do so. We can't do that as much now. You can't, I mean, Kenny McLean and Moritz Leitner or Kenny McLean and Tribal as a duo as, in terms of a protective shield I just don't see. I don't think that's enough at Premier League level. Um, and they're having to take more risks in the final third, potentially. So your likes of your Buendias, your Cantwells, your Hernandezes, they're trying, they're over trying to make things happen because they know they can't retain possession in the way that we've become accustomed to. Plus, if you if you couple that with the likes of Max Aaron's head looks really down at the moment. Jamal Lewis, I thought uh, against Brighton for the first time, I thought he looks like you know his head's dropping. You know, the whole team, there's a vibe around it. And I think it's it's probably only going to take a couple of players to come back in 
and then suddenly, you know, they all have the confidence that they can play in, in the style that we've become accustomed to. Okay, which but, players and when are they coming back? So Zimbo is Christmas, and I think Zimbo, I don't want to place everything on Zimbo, but it's interdependent, isn't it? Because Zimmerman comes back, you can play Amadou um, in the, in the centre of the park. Hanley comes back, you can do that. Steeperman returns to form, and then suddenly, because he links the play, or he linked the play much more effectively last season, you know, if he comes back to form, that's an absolute game changer for Norwich because then Pukki isn't as isolated as he has been in recent weeks. So I, I don't think it's a rip-up plan A. Let, let's look for something new, and, and it's a failure of Farkas coaching. I think we've been incredibly unlucky with injuries. I think confidence is now starting to drop. Something has to change. I absolutely agree. Something has to change. But I think for Norwich, the best we can hope for at the moment is we're going with what we've got. I don't know what you can change um, in terms of personnel or formations or whatever, because it's going to be really difficult to go uh, three at the back. Um, and, and I don't really see any other option short of going four four two and pumping it long. I mean, we haven't got the personnel to do that, and I wouldn't want to see us play like that. Um, so it's just about gradually phasing these players back in. Tribal in two or three weeks. Um, time will probably offer a more effective shield than he did on Saturday. Um, Hernandez will be much sharper. Um, he didn't look like he was able to start a game and affect it properly. Now, that might have been because of the birth of his daughter, you know, a few hours earlier. But again, he didn't look sharp. I just think all over the park, we're finding it really difficult at the moment for a myriad of reasons. And we need to cut them some slack because if the crowd get behind them on Friday and we are fortunate enough to go a goal up, Things change really quickly in football, and, and what I, I can I feel confident in saying this. I don't think the club are going to divert from Plan A. I don't think Farkas the type of coach who is going to question his beliefs and, and look to change things fundamentally. He's going to tweak at the edges. Um, so we just need to get behind that. The tweaking at the edges for me. Let's, so let's 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 bring Fee and then who's been to is it every away game so far. Yes, unfortunately. So, yes. So, what? What? Uh, describe your emotions looking over to the touchline and seeing Dennis Fabeni um, being the, the great white hope coming on. I mean, for, for, from my point of view, if you if you prepare to bring Dennis Fabeni on in a Premier League game, you should be investigated for suspicious betting patterns. I mean, how you can expect him, bless him, to affect a Premier League game when it's not going your way? What was the What were the murmurs like in the in the away end uh, at Brighton? Uh, well, we didn't have much time to have many murmurs because they came on and then we immediately conceded that ridiculous free kick uh, goal. From the sort of the sub was made as the free kick was being set up, and then we just sort of let them run through the middle of the defence. Um, I'm not blaming Dennis Sabeni for that, but uh, yeah, it's just it's it's just frustrating to watch, really. I mean, I think going back to the earlier point about. Uh, how we all sort of said, well, sort of over the summer and and back in the last season that we were gonna, we were gonna, we knew it would be hard and we were gonna back the team throughout and and I think you know it, it's 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 easy to say that when when it's all good and then and then it actually comes down to it and it's harder than we thought it would be and we've had all this bad luck with injury and and that's why you get these kind of murmurings in the crowd and people moaning on Facebook this week because yeah when you're in it it is tough to watch and. And people are, you know, travelling a long way and spending a lot of money, and it's it's very frustrating. But I think John's right. It it just takes one lucky goal in the first ten minutes on Friday, get us in front, um, get the get the atmosphere up, get the confidence of the players up, get the confidence of the fans up. Um, and I think I think it's not far off. But we've just got to kind of grind out a result, really. Um, 
get some goals because it's just yeah the 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 sort of the two nil defeats away are getting pretty soul destroying. Um, but yeah, I think I think we just need to to get a bit of confidence up, um, and hopefully it'll start to tick a bit more. But yeah, I mean, there's not much more on injuries that hasn't already been said. So. On the point of uh, getting getting something go our way and, and getting the crowd up and, and things turning quickly, the, the first penalty save, um, the crowd were really, really vociferous, though, cheering, and it was it felt a bit like the Man City game. The second penalty save, again, limbs in the Barkley, and it you know it, you felt like, um, okay, we're two goals down, but Tim Krull's done something, and obviously... We don't, it goes without saying, current player of the season walking away with it. Um, if you had, it, it, what happened though, is you, you just felt, okay, now we've got the atmosphere we need. We're singing, we're up, we're losing, but we're up. And it feels like the good times again. And then we won't concede that embarrassing Sunday league goal um, within seconds or within a minute or so of, of that incredible kind of euphoria. Um, and, 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 and so you think, okay, the crowd have gone with you because something's happened on the pitch to, to generate that. And then it's the life is sucked out of, of of you again, and you just think, oh well, if you're going to defend like that, then I'm 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 not going to cheer every throw and then every corner because it's so difficult to to, to get behind it. Now, I, I think I personally don't think it's doom and gloom. I think it's gloom. I, I don't I don't think I'm certainly not committing to saying we are definitely going to get relegated. But we did say two or three games ago that this run of fixtures, starting with um, the Brighton game. They're out of the next kind of six to eight games, there are a few. There are a few games here in terms of, or rather, this is this is the run where we avoid the really big names, and they're not really close together. And from from basically, just before Christmas onwards, you never go more than a week or two without one of the real big hitters, either away or or you know, really tricky fixture. Um, so we it, this is the time we need to hit a purple patch. Otherwise, we're going to be needing heroics against you know. Otherwise, we're going to need upsets pretty much every few weeks to stay up. Does anyone disagree with that? Um, yeah. <laughs> would, would you like me to expand? Always. Lovely. Um, I'd agree to an extent that we need a point or two. Well, ideally, we need a win out of the next couple of games. And Watford and Everton are now huge games for me. But I think, say, let's just play out the scenario that we lose um, both of those fixtures. Yeah, it, it's going to be really poisonous around Carrow Road. There's going to be the same old questions kind of trotted out about why we didn't spend money in August and all the rest of it. And I kind of get that. Um, but at the same time, this club, and you said it on this podcast, Tom, I will never question this team again. This squad, when they were fully fit, when we had a proper run at it, when confidence was running through their veins, performed absolute miracles. I would trust them to do it again if the wind starts blowing the way that we need it to. So I think it's, we can't write them off. We absolutely cannot write them off as yet. You know, get to Christmas. If we haven't won another game before Christmas, then yeah, possibly I'd be in that camp. But, you know, we are capable of beating the big teams. We are capable of going on a run of four or five games where we win three or four of those. That's absolutely within our gift to be able to do that. If we can get back to the same verve that we played with, the same kind of possession-based football, the same attacking with intent, intent that we had before. Um, and as Fionn said, we're probably not that far off from it clicking, and it doesn't look like that on the pitch at the moment. But all it takes 
is a goal, a result. You know, football changes in an instant, and that's why we all love it. That's probably why we all keep coming back when it's really shit, because we know that it can just change. Um, and we've just got hope for that at the moment, because we know what this team can achieve. We were all really confident going into this season, super confident that we'd stay up, not at a canter, but that, that we would absolutely stay up. And we've been ravaged by injuries. There was a a chart, and I can't remember where I saw it, but it, it was looking at the amount of minutes that had been lost um, per team uh, based on injuries that they'd had for the first team squads. And Norwich's was, was pretty much double anyone else's. Our luck has been horrific this season. And I don't think you can blame it on coaching or what's going on at Colney and overtraining. Loads of them have been impact injuries. We've just had some really bad luck. That's got to change at some point in the near future. Okay, Lorne, what do we do on Friday? Uh, if we do, if things aren't going against us and we get another VAR decision from the heavens um, and we end up 1-0 down, 2-0 down and, and as John fears, things do start to get a bit poisonous because it was starting to get a bit unpleasant in the, in the United game that the kick it long, just get rid of it shouts were, were starting to be louder than obviously they've been for the last few months worth of Norwich games. So if that brigade is starting to find their voice again and feeling like they can start complaining again, they're going to be out in force on, on Friday night if it's if it's one two down. What what? How can we do ourselves up? How, what what can we cling to, to 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 try and continue to be positive and try and continue to back the boys? Well, everyone's responsible for their own actions. So just if you think that being positive helps, then be positive. If you think that being negative helps somehow, then you have every right to be negative. But you sort of summed it up yourself a minute ago where you said how we conceded a silly goal and then it's really difficult to cheer for every throw in like it was against Man City and you think, oh, fuck it, if you're going to defend like that, I'm not going to support you. Like, that's that's your decision to make and you could make the decision that, yeah, you're defending infuriatingly and this is really frustrating, but <laughs> I'm going to back you anyway because I'm only here for 90 minutes every week and I've paid 500 quid a year for the privilege, so I'm going to enjoy it while I'm here. Yeah, I didn't say I wouldn't support them. I mean, my point was the... The cheering every throw and cheering every um, tackle, the, you know, the crowd were with them every single step of the way because they were because every kind of out, every six out of ten, seven out of ten actions that took place, whether it be a tackle, a challenge, the effort level seemed to be there. The the and but what and, I'm saying is that's a choice. Like you choose whether or not you cheer every tackle, and you choose whether or not you do that, regardless of whether or not things are going well or things are going badly. It's still your choice as to whether or not you cheer. So true, but the the, the point is that, that that it's a much more difficult Zen-like position you try and get yourself into. When, for example, the Man United game, from you know from two to eleven, you're struggling to see even a four out of ten performance. You know, Pookie's work rate was very very good. Hardly saw the ball. Cruel probably you know one of the best games that a Norwich keeper has had in a long time. And it's kind of stats wise and 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 what he did. But um, you're struggling to see anyone else who actually played well. I I cannot wait to see Amadou in defensive midfield. I think that he I think his skill set is is sorely lacking. I can't wait to see a, a fit tribal. What's the deal with with Roberts? Do we know why he's he's out? Is he injured? Is he poorly? What is it? Um, I think from the the quotes that have kind of emerged, and I don't think there's been anything that that's gone on the record, but it, there seems to be murmurings that. Um, his defensive work as an attacking midfielder isn't good enough for the style of football we play, um, which I'd possibly, I mean, I haven't seen Roberts in action, so, you know, I'm not one to comment, but Campwell's defensive work isn't brilliant. He tries, 
And I guess that's maybe the difference that does Roberts try? Does he track back? Is he doing that in the 23s to force his way into the manager's plans? I don't know. I haven't seen enough of that. But again, that's an example of um, when results aren't going your way, you end up with your kind of Lafferty situation. We haven't seen him, so yeah. therefore we assume he's the best player that's ever um, worn a, an under-23 shirt. Yeah, um, and the, the young lad, the, the centre-back, I forget his name, <laughs> that signed a new contract this week, he's suddenly... Famewu, something like that. Oh, anyway, Akin, Akin's his first name. So if we just return, you know, refer to him by his first name, but he suddenly become some kind of well, we've got to play him because and and I kind of get that school of thought. But Farker's really, really careful about not blooding a youngster until he feels that they're absolutely ready. So he's not going to take a risk with him unless you know Teddy and Amadou go go down injured now as well, and there's no other option available to him. Um, you know, he's only going to put him in his plans when he's absolutely ready. However, the noise coming out of the club that, that we've kind of heard is he's definitely the next cab off the rank in terms of the youngster that's going to make it. So, Fion, take us back through the away games so far this season. Um, naturally, you know, you've gone away in, in earlier Premier League campaigns as well. Has there been anything that that you would look back on fondly so far um, that that you can take some some positives from, just from the away games. Ooh. Yeah. Um, well, the Liverpool game was. I mean, I think because we went into that knowing that we were going to lose, and we played pretty well that night. Um, we sort of we sort of went for it and and had a good go. We had we must have had more shots on target in that one game than we have in all of them since. I I would speculate uh, away games anyway. Um, was it five shots on target we had at Anfield, and and that was uh, that was all very exciting at the time, and I don't think we've sort of kept that up really. Um, yeah, it's it's. I mean, uh, Bournemouth, I was quite happy about that. Was a good point, um, and that was you know that was kind of we just conceded five at home to Villa, uh, so that was a that was a good point on the road. I mean, it's just frustrating that that we've sort of wasted games at Burnley Palace. Um, and Brighton, which you know, you, you they're they're all tough, but you'd hope to at least be fighting for a point out of those. And it just feels like we've kind of they're gone now. We can't go back to those. Um, and what have we got coming up? We've got Everton, um, and then the next one after that, Southampton. I mean, those are two massive away games um, when you look at <clears throat> what Southampton are doing. Um, so I mean, there's lots of points there available to us, but you know, we we you don't want to be sort of going down to another sort of 2-0 defeat. Um, but that yeah. was the point that I was making that, that Punt was kind of <clears throat> dismissive of. So we've got Watford, Everton, Southampton, Sheffield United, um, and then Villa again uh, in the next one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So, you know, four of our next eight are those that currently, um, okay, form goes up and down, but currently you think, do you know what, we, we've got opportunities there. And then there's some kind of, uh, Le- Leicester obviously have started better than some people thought. And you've got you've got Arsenal in there, which is, depends which one turns up on the day, and Wolves who are, who are strong. But again, it's not Liverpool, it's not Man City. Um, so I, I don't, when it, when you then look at the rest of the, the, the fixtures, it's almost then every other game is a Tottenham, a Liverpool, a Leicester, um, an Arsenal, uh, and then we have one little run where we have Brighton, Watford, West Ham, although West Ham dispatched with us so easily um, in April. But by April, you know, we're going to be we're going to be really desperate for points. So 
that, that, this is what I'm saying. I think this is an absolutely crucial four or five week period for us um, because if we if this if this get, if it gets away from us in this next four or five weeks, you, you then do need some some giant killings. You, you, you then need the, the kind of Man City upset style results, which is far harder to 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 be kind of pinning yourself on. And what what it makes me think of is we've we've all seen the accounts come out, and you know we're all financial experts, like the people moaning about it on Facebook. So we're we're well qualified to talk about the EBITDA of the of the of the of, the, of a Premier League club. But if they are going to kind of twist in January, if they're going to spend any money, and we know that it's probably going to be 50 quid and a, and a packet of fags to, you know, a third division Norway team. But if we're even going to do that... No, hang on, hang on. We no, have I'll, to... I'm, not, I'm not having that. That is, you know, I think you're, <laughs> you're, you're dismissing the 15 million that we were ready to, to spend on Claude Maurice. And I think it's a point that you made earlier and then I didn't kind of come back to it. But Weber and Farker and the whole recruitment team aren't going to spend good money on, you know, a Stephen Naismith or, you know, kind of an Evo Pinto type that is potentially going to be a bit more mercenary about coming to the club and he's only really here for the money. And they're I don't want him for, to. I don't and, want and him I, to. And I absolutely agree, but they're mm. looking for a, a profile of player that fits in this squad, which is a real rare commodity with the, the finite resources that we have available. However... I'm pretty sure we've got 20, 25 million, possibly not all to go on transfer fees, but you know we have money there available if the right player comes along. And I'm fully behind that. I'd much rather that we do that and sign the right types of characters that potentially might set us up for a season in the championship, you know, if they're happy to go down with us, um, or if we stay up, can, can allow us to kick on. They're the types of players that are going to be really difficult to find. And, and that is now where this new recruitment model is really going to earn its money eh? and we're it's going to be tested as much as the culture is at Carrow Road as well it's going to be tested this season harder than than ever so I think it's quite disingenuous to say oh it's going to be 50 quid in a packet of fags or 15 tracksuits or whatever well, it's not, there's it's money not, there it's not disingenuous I didn't say it would go as far as throwing in tracksuits um, it's not disingenuous. <laughs> I, the point I'm making is we we have not got any money right we need no, to buy wrong. we need to buy people who's just said like, you're wrong no okay <laughs> I've just said uh, you're wrong no, well, you're allowed well, to. Yeah. You're, you're allowed. You're entitled to an incorrect opinion of my opinion. Mate, um, yeah, but mate, we, we, we have 15 million to sign a player. Yes, on so whenever it was still, early August, which still, which we've set, still got, which still would have set us in what 20th place, 19th place in in total spendings. But I, we I'm, have I'm that money to spend. Yes, we have a little bit. Or, we, or agree. we have a oh, little so bit that's of our competition that you want to win. We have a little bit of money. Right, yeah, we uh, which is contextually in the shape of the season, unlikely to be money that will keep us up because actually, what you've just said in your uh, in your piece there is we're actually investing in a player that wouldn't mind coming down because it's a step, even if they came to the championship, it would be a step up from where they are because they need to get their career back on track after a bad injury and they're and they're no dickhead. And I completely agree with the recruitment policy. I'm not dispute, not disputing that. I don't want us to go and try and get Duncan Ferguson out of um, retirement and hit the ball long to him. Like, honestly, I'm, that is not what I'm saying. My point is, if we are we too... spent enough money. No, 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 not at all. It, my point is, I don't think they will spend something like 15 million on a player when it comes to January if we are nine to 12 points adrift, because that would not be frugal. It would not be sensible because it's all signs will be pointing to relegation. And therefore, um, that the, you know, the exec committee at, at Carroll Road have got a duty to make sure we are in decent financial shape when we go back to the, the championship. Um, and therefore, it will be a case of some frugal signings to. 
um, to, to basically equip ourselves for that drop and to try and make sure we replace the likes of Godfrey, Aaron's Jamal, who are likely to stay at this level where if we went down. So I'm not, I'm not saying that I want us to spend money we don't have. I'm not saying we have no money, but in context of the Premier League, we've got no money. And I'm talking about the fact that it was completely relevant to this next five or six weeks of fixtures. If we do not do well in these next five or six weeks of fixtures, when the January transfer window comes around, we, you know, we're currently only a win away from things looking slightly less awful. And if we are more than three, four wins away from safety, how it then becomes actually is it a sensible is it sensible to throw money at this situation actually we need to go even you know a 15 million pound signing is is not going to be enough the hole is going to be too big to fill but so, is it going to be throing money at it if because again web is pretty canny i think in this market that oh, say, so say for example we throw but say we throw 10 million at a player and say it was someone like claude maurice who's you know 21 years old attacking midfielder full of talent full of skill Actually, if he comes to Norwich, does really well, but ultimately we then, you know, get relegated, you know, by maybe two or three points, we've still got a twenty million pound player on our books that we can then subsequently sell when we get down to the championship. So the club are really cute about making proper investments now. So I wouldn't necessarily think that that would preclude us from from you know signing those kinds of players. It's more actually the issue is whether those players would want to come to us, um, and that would be a hard sell for the club. Yeah, I mean, he's been um, he's been with he's at Nice now, right? Yeah, yeah, he's gone. I mean, that that option is off the table now, absolutely. But I'm just saying, a player of his ilk. Yeah, but he hasn't. Um, have they not started yet? The French, the French, the French season not started yet. No, no, they've started. He's because they, he was in their second tier, wasn't he? So I, I don't even know mm. if he's played yet. He's, but you're no, you're probably one, looking on the internet now. I am looking at the internet. It's zero apps and, and zero goals. Um, so it looks like we we dodged a bullet there, but I, I don't know about the um, <laughs> if you can't football experts on parsley. But if you can't if you can't get into the Nice team, then you're not going to be any good up Norwich, are you? Um, our name's that is longer. The rule. Yeah, everyone yeah, everyone knows that. That's that is the first thing. That's what Weber said in his job interview. <laughs> so as I got the job, <laughs> um, and he said, and Zoe agrees. He said Zoe agrees. Um, cool. So okay. right. What is what happens to happen then for us to what has to happen for us to sign a player in, in January Fion? What what do you think of the like let's let's fast forward, let's say best case scenario, we are a point above the relegation zone, you know, which I think is probably best case scenario. Um when it when it when it, when the first of January hits, um most of our players have come back, there's no more major injuries. Where would you strengthen with a really clever canny? So we we're not gonna know the players, we're unlikely to have heard of them. Um, so what what kind of skill set, what position would you strengthen, Fionn? I think you'd have to so if you're saying that all our all our injuries are back, so we've got uh, we've got two first choice centre backs or whatever, not, yeah. not closer obviously, but I think we'd have to see how it how that was looking basically, you know, because you know, at the moment we are leaking too many goals and we're we're feeling a little bit toothless up front just because Pookie's not been getting much service recently so i think you just have to look at where the gaps were there but i mean yeah i don't i don't know if there's much because we've you know we've got we've got patrick roberts there maybe he'll maybe he'll be amazing maybe not um so do you get in another player similar to him uh because apparently he's he doesn't fit the system but then risk that they don't fit the system um i think you'd have to say defense is always going to be the priority um because we've we know we've got a striker who can score goals, so I think I'd go for I'd go for 
possibly, yeah, defence or defensive midfield. I can't pluck any names out, but I think we've got to we've got to make sure that's solid. And and I think from there we'd have the sort of base to to sort out the midfield and get those uh get the get the service into Pookie again a bit more. And you, Lorne? I agree with Theon. Uh, you do have to look at the defence first, and I think the fact that closer is out for the entire season means that a centre half, even if uh, Hanley and Zimmerman are both back, a centre half would be the first place you'd look. I mean, the thing about Zimmerman is that we we basically have no idea, uh, even when he's back fully fit, if you know if if he'll be any good. I mean, I'm I'm confident he's he's a good enough player, and I mean in in the sort of tiny amount of time he's managed to get on the pitch. I remember he made that amazing block at West Ham um, shortly before he got taken out of the game. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, we, we, if we were to, to just be throwing all our eggs on into him as a sort of great white hope that he would be the one to, to sort us out, then we, we may be wrong there. So, uh, so yeah, I think, I think we've got to, we've got to get another person in there if we can. And what about you, John Pump? Um, I agree with Fiona and Mr. Lorne in terms of looking at a, a centre-back. However, I think there's, and we'll probably come on to it with the listener questions, but but someone's asked who's been the biggest disappointment this season. And I think probably Marco Stieperman has, has been one of the biggest disappointments for me because as much as, you know, he's a bit gangly and, you know, unorthodox, I really thought he might adapt. I really thought that that he'd have a bit more influence than he has over games. And he hasn't adapted to the level yet. And I think to enable Puki to, to be able to score the goals that he does, you need to be able to link the play. Steeperman does that really, really well in terms of, ball, or did it last season with his ball carrying. He just seemed to know where, where Tamu was going to run, run into a lot of the time. So I'd possibly be looking at another 10 that might be able to link up um, better with Mr. Puki. Yeah, I, I would. I would go number ten. Uh, the I really wanted to see Lightner play there. It might have just been the he's United. shit there, though, isn't he? That's the yeah. problem. Oh my, my word! I mean, just just so bad. Um, I wanted to see him <laughs> give give him a try. Farker obviously also wanted to give him a try, uh, and both Farker and I were wrong. It was not worth it. Uh, but what was refreshing um, was an incredibly uncharacteristic early substitution. Um, to to realise no that's not fucking working is it <laughs> and and to to to, to pull him at half time um, yeah I, I'm I'm the same as you Steeperman uh, I'm a huge fan I've really enjoyed the fact that he would always do three or four things that looks like he doesn't know what he's doing and then um, after sort of ten fifteen minutes um, they would start to come off and you go oh no you you were actually trying to do that odd kind of weird step over backward thing you were doing because um, you've just done it and it's successfully back heeled the ball through so I, I, I'm really disappointed with that and, and I think that, that um, I, I also agree that Pukki you know he's not stopped scoring for Finland has he like the, the, the boy has still got the touch and we we need to give him service we need a different way of creating um and uh, but I, I also think we have gone into this season woefully light up front. Um, I don't I don't want anyone else to lead the line than Puki. I completely respect the fact that the system and the shape it means that we're going to have one person up front, and that means Puki's going to start. But the, the the last ten fifteen minutes of games is where you try different things up front when things aren't going your way, and we just do not have anything to um, to change it. Uh, Skibeni's not fit to play this level. Um, Dermich has been a massive disappointment. He, you know, he's he's a prime example of um, 
you know, low risk, high reward. If he'd have worked out, it would have been genius. Fair enough, he hasn't. So it doesn't look, you know, if he's now third in the pecking order, then crikey, he really can't be pulling up any trees in training. And he hasn't really done anything when he has had short bursts. Um, I personally don't think you need to necessarily go 4-4-2 and play it long, but, you know, could we play, you know, could we play two up front and instead of having a, um, and, and try and work on a way of Pookie and Dermich taking it in turns to switch. But I'll be absolutely, I'll be amazed if, at whatever price level, loan, whatever, be amazed if they don't try and bring us an alternative option to Pookie. Um, because if he gets injured or if he gets tired or, if it, you know, to, to bolster the attack going forward, you know, in the last 20 minutes of games, we, the, 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 we've got nothing in those other two. Those other two are just not, not fit to do it. And it's such a shame because Dermich, I was really, really enthusiastic. I thought that was going to be... You know, again, that could have been an incredible signing had he had come off, but he doesn't look like he's going to contribute. Never been, never rated Trebini. Um and and Ida, you know, he doesn't seem to want to throw him in and and and, and give him a run. So, therefore, we need to we, we need to strengthen that. So, so I actually do think at the top of the pitch, we we need to to to, to have some attention, um, as well as obviously what you guys have said that we, with closer not not available, I think we do we do need to potentially look at centre back. The, the tricky thing is when Zimmerman's back, he's not going to have a great sample size until the window's open, is he? So, you know, if he's a bit shaky and not and takes him a while to get completely up to match sharpness, you can't exactly write him off after two games, Zimmerman, after like, such a long time. Like you would write that you can't write him off on a small sample size, like for example, you'd write Dermage off based on a small sample size. Really. <laughs> I, I'm I haven't I'm not writing him off. Farter, Farter has <laughs> Just made it. five minutes writing him off. No, I haven't. I've I've made the point that he is now behind Shabeni in the in the ranking. So Farker clearly doesn't rate him. Um, and he, either think, that, either that, or he thought that or that Shabeni maybe brought something different to the game. And I don't know what it was, but he maybe thought that Dennis Shabeni's skill set was perhaps a bit more um, suitable to try and change the game against Brighton than than Josip Demich's was. The fact that he put him on for a defensive free kick, given that uh, Shabeni's six foot plus tall is I would say backs up what you've just said, John. Yeah, it works well. No, I don't think he brought him on to defend the free kick. He even came out afterwards and said, I wouldn't make my subs, you know, during a free kick before a free kick was going to be taken. Usually I think it was just, it was time sensitive that they needed to try and change the game. And it was unfortunate that it was a free kick at that point. But I've been extremely critical of, of damage because the first couple of times I saw him, um, he just looked away for his first touch looked terrible actually weirdly enough then i can't remember the game i watched on a stream where he looked marginally better and i'd be a little bit more hopeful that if pookie did go down injured and you know heaven forbid that happens that with a run of games he might get back to somewhere near the type of player that scored 17 or 18 goals in the bundesliga but let's not hope we we have to be talking about that i think as you've just said tom the key thing for me here is yes we, you know, we need to shore up at the back, and, and that's blindingly obvious to anyone. But we need to link the play, and we need to link the attacking play better. And if Steeperman's not going to step up, and weirdly, I did see glimpses of it against Brighton that he'd started to kind of try and make the same kind of runs that he'd done before. He hit maybe the bar, first... didn't he? Quite yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was really unlucky. Yeah, really unlucky. Um, but he didn't do it enough, and, and we need to see him influencing games a lot more than he has been. And I think I'd seen it on Twitter today, and I, you know. I can't remember who tweeted it, so apologies, you know, kind of if you're listening to this, but he's started nine other, games. Other, other fan media people just, just claim credit for other people's work. Why, why, why should we be any different? I don't know who you're talking about, Tom. <laughs> um, but 
he started nine games and he's been substituted in all nine of those games, and I think that's telling. I mean, the the, the issue that I've got with um, your dismissive huffery, um, Lorne, is that you can't have it both ways. You can't fully have full faith in Farker's ability to 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 understand what is best for the club, um, and then also say that Dermot hasn't had enough of an opportunity. If he was no, worth, if that, he was worth enough an opportunity, he would be on the pitch, would he not? I disagreed entirely. I said it was interesting that you uh, weren't willing to judge Zimmerman on a small sample size, but you have judged Dermich on a small sample size. Yeah, that's, that's, some, that's something to All do I'm with doing is pointing out your contradiction with... within the space of three sentences. Yeah. So it's, the the contradiction is earned in Zimmerman's case because of something called my captain, my leader, and um, a promotion winning incredible season where on several games there were defensive performances where he put the back four on his back. Um, and therefore, you earn your right to play your way into the team off a serious injury. Um, and and I think that uh, someone who has been so crucial to one of the best seasons in in living memory um, will, is, of course, going to get three or four 90-minute performances until you go, nah, do you know what? I don't think you're going to get it at this level. The point I was making with Zimmerman is he's going to have to do that in the Christmas period, meaning that he's he's not exactly going to have had very long before, before you, you need to kind of make a call on it. Dermich has had you know, since August, effectively, um, to, uh, I think, I think he was, he, he couldn't make the bench could against Liverpool. Um, I think he, I think he was still coming back from like a, didn't he miss the end of preseason with a pull or something? Hampshire yeah, pull? I think you're right. Yeah. Um, uh, but, but realistically, let's have it right. Fargo has, has rolled the dice and shuffled the pack a lot. Um, with his forward four or five, Dermich hasn't, hasn't been given an hour, 90 minutes to, you know, to, to, to really prove himself. And, you know, we've just been talking about Roberts. Apparently, the, you know, you guys have heard that maybe he's not he's not going to fit in with the defensive work that needs to be done. I mean, you know, if the boy can concede goals, he'll fit right in. So I don't know what the problem is there. Um, but if 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 he if you're going to say, OK, fine, that's we're going to give Farker a pass for not trying Roberts, you have to also say, OK, well, Dermot isn't up to it either because Farker doesn't think he is. No, so, I disagree. So... I completely disagree with that because the one player that we absolutely wouldn't question and possibly had we been talking about this two, three weeks ago would have also been a player of the season contender is, is Timu Puki. That's the one area of the pitch where you're like, don't change that. We've got someone ready-made for the Premier League provided he gets the service. And I, I don't think Farker is unless he fundamentally changes the shape and we haven't got the personnel to do it at the moment, he's not going to play two up front. So I think Dermich not getting an opportunity is, is more about the fact that he trusts Puki rather than, you know, he doesn't trust Dermich. Um, yeah, Dermich, I agree. Dermich needs a run of games to be able to prove that, you know, he's a Premier League player, but I don't think he's going to get it this season if Puki remains to be fit. Okay, well, let's look into the doom and gloom of social media. What have our lovely friends asked us to pontificate on in today's mailbag? You like the mailbag, would you? I'm just going to try get and find... Let's have a look. Let's have a peek in there. All right, but hang on. Oh, here we go. Right. So first up, we've got Nick Dye on Twitter. This is probably one for you, Tom, because um, it's kind of possibly criticising Mr. Farker a little bit. So it says, has Farker been too stubborn with his selection philosophy, especially the middle three? For me, he should be balancing based on opposition. McLean versus Brighton when we needed a metronome, i.e. Leitner. Easy in hindsight, but I wonder if the selection policy is trumping the game analysis. I don't know if that's... I don't know if you can really... I don't know if you can really blame Farker for um, 
not changing those because that is the area of the pitch where we've kind of been the least affected by injuries. Um, I, I presume you mean the three behind the striker, right? No, I think he's talking about the two holding midfielders and then perhaps the 10 in front of that. That's how I've read it. Oh, okay. I mean, because, well, yeah, but the 10, we have tried loads of different things. Um, you know, he, tr- he tried he tried Lightner there, he's tried Steve in there, McLean played further forward. Um, none of them have really worked particularly well, you know, in the last month or so. Um, I, I, I'm not, I don't, I don't have a problem with the with necessarily the people that he's tried because I, th- I think everyone other than Roberts uh, and and Dermich, although you know we're trusting that Dermich, you know that there's a reason that he's behind Shabani and Farkas thoughts maybe, and he hasn't done anything with the small snippets he's had. Um, I think I think he has tried those different things. I I do think that a slight but different version of Plan A might need to be tried because I don't think we've got the players to make Plan A better. So we need to coach plan A better by going, we need to do something a bit different in the way we move through the thirds, the way that we create to, for, for Pookie. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, I personally think that he has tried a few different options in there. And he is, he of course, he's trying to balance against the, the opposition. He's, he, I don't think he's stubborn enough to not completely try and change based on who, who they're playing. I think... Um, there's been a lot of injuries in that area, or not necessarily directly in that area, although Tribal has been injured. But then the, the players who would normally play in that area have, have had to deputise at the back. But well, imagine against uh, Man United if we could have started Teti and Amadou, or, or, yeah. or a, a fully fit Tribal and Amadou. We'd have been a, a lot less porous. How solid is a fully fit Tribal who can also recycle the ball, by the way? Um, like him and Amadou together in front of yeah. a, a front of Godfrey and, and a fit Zimmerman, that like is a that. completely different team, isn't it? I completely like that. But someone we've discounted from all of this, and and he has just returned to fitness, and the, the indications are that he's going to be fit for for Friday night. Is Mario Vrancic, and he was so influential at the back end of last season. Nominee, no nominee. Yeah, there you go. You're quite correct. Nominee. Oh, yeah, all right. I was correcting you before you you'd given my previous comments. We uh, might get to see them. We might get to see him against uh, Champions League elect Watford. <laughs> <laughs> but he could be a game changer. So, you know, we talk about the likes of Christoph Zimmerman coming back in and how he could absolutely influence the way we play. Mario Vrancic towards the back end of last season for me, when um, I can't remember if Teddy was injured and Tribal was definitely injured at that point, but we were having to play Vrancic and McLean. Um, as the two holders. And I was really worried about that because I didn't think there would be enough bite in the midfield. But Vrancic really got his foot in. And I think if he has a holder alongside him, he's then gonna, he's going to be able to offer a little bit more steel than a McLean or a Leitner. Um, but he can all, the way he passes the ball, and he, it's not necessarily because he still looks like he's doing everything in slow motion, but it's his speed of thought that gets him ahead of the play. He could be a really big player. He's going to take, I think with Vrancic, it's, and we saw when he had to adapt to the championship, he's probably going to have to adapt to this league and he might take four or five games before he's fully up to speed. But I'm very excited about him coming back. Next question. All right. Oh, here's a good one. So this is Richard Jeffries, formerly, or Jeffrey, sorry, uh, of formerly of the Little Yellow Bird Project. And he's written a lovely piece for us in the latest Long Come Norwich fanzine. He asks, very simply for all of us, Will we go down? Yes or no answers only. And he says we are, we're not. Fion? I will start with Fion, yeah. No, we will not go down. 
Oh. No point in Tom. asking Norny. Norny probably thinks we're going to win the league. <laughs> Tom. Uh, no point asking no. Tom. No, we won't go down. We won't go Bloody hell. Norny. I don't think we'll go down. But if we, we lose on Friday, I think we will go down. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking nightmare you are. <laughs> like you're so like you're so busy having your cake, you haven't got time to eat it. Yep. Punt, we get uh, down. Yeah. No. Yeah, I think we might. I've I've kind of been on the fence with this all week, but I think we I, might. But I I, I I'm, if I was going to lay money either way right now, I'd be putting it on us going down. Fifty-two forty. I'm glad I don't bet. Fifty-two forty-eight. We're staying up. But ask me again on uh, ask me. I'm, I'm fifty-two forty-eight staying up. If we lose on Friday night, I could be as high as about eighty-five fifteen that we're going down. De- so about ten past you ten, you'll it. be losing your shit, mate. Yeah, to mute WhatsApp notifications if we lose on Friday. <laughs> Next up, we have Connor Butcher on Twitter who asks: Has okay. Buendia? This is one for you, Tom. Definitely has Emmy Buendia been the player that has most disappointed so far this season? Yeah. No. Um, Steeperman is. Uh, wait your turn. Uh, Steeperman has been disappointing, but I um, I made a big deal in some preseason previews about how if he stays fit the whole season then there's no way we can finish lower than 12 because we just can't see his creativity being stopped um unfortunately the incredible edge of our own box spins and twists that you think i can't believe he's tried that yeah there but he's got we get but we're, we're getting going he's been giving the ball away um and it hasn't been working out now he's still the player of of the 11 that i think is worth the entrance fee the most um, he's still. I still feel when he is running at defences, he's the one who makes me think something's about to happen more than anyone else. And I do still believe that he can come come good. But yes, in the first eleven games, I really did think that he would be almost a household name by now. So he's been the most disappointing player this season for you. I think so because Cruel's done better than I thought he would do. Um, uh, Pookie's done exactly what I thought. He'll score goals if he's given chances. When we give him chances, he scored goals. Um, there's been a couple of others who haven't quite. I mean, Campwell's been better than I thought. Loads of others have been in, injured. So Amadou, I've got really high hopes for him. We haven't really seen him in his natural position, but I think he's done a great job out of position. Um, Godfrey's been about what I thought. Um, so yeah, everyone else is kind of par or slightly below. Emmy, I, I, like I say, I, I honestly thought that he would be being featured on Match of the Day as like with little hotspot around him in the highlights package almost every week. I thought he would be titillating audiences up and down the country and he'd be a household name by now. I'd probably throw um, Moritz Leitner into the mix for this one because everyone talked of him having top flight quality before this season and the fact that, you know, he'd completely dictate the play and, you know, because of the previous clubs that, that he perhaps played for, that, you know, he had the pedigree to go on. And, and everyone in the championship was almost saying, well, he's a ready-made Premier League player. Already, but Newcastle aside, I think he's been poor. And uh, you talked about Emi Bundia giving away um, the ball a few times for Aston Villa's goals. Leitner was equally as culpable for that as yeah. well. You know, he he was, yeah, he was really poor in possession. Um, he couldn't play as a ten. No, not necessarily. I don't necessarily think that's his fault. You know, that was perhaps Farker's selection, and he should have recognised that. You know, he's not a ten. Um, but yeah, I really thought he'd do a lot better. How about you, Phil? 
Yeah, I think it's Emmy for me as well. Um, and it's, you kind of you can just see how frustrated he is as well when he's getting sort of shut down. And he was doing it last season as well when he would get sort of blocked off the ball. He would he would have a little tantrum, but obviously that's happening so much more frequently uh, when he's up against better players. And yeah, it's just it, it is disappointing to watch just because you, it's so frustrating that he can't quite get into the games like he did. But it's a, it's a higher level. Um, so it's to be expected, but yeah, I, I just hope he can sort of keep keep his sort of frustration in check and not let that not let that hit, not let that take over from what he's trying to do basically because you can just mm. see how wound up he gets. Um, and when you think sort of back into last season when he got was it QPR he got sent off and that was yeah. him, him getting frustrated and then then he was out for those three games that we drew and you sort of thought. Willie, Willie have because everyone said how disappointed he was that he could, he wasn't in the team and he was missing those games and he just thought, is he going to sort of knock it off a bit and and just sort of get up and get on with it and well, he kicked the ball away against Villa he was really lucky not to get sent off against yeah, Villa yeah you can um, you can just see those see those little bits of frustration still coming through um yeah the, the, United, the United game he was he was up at the ref a lot which is fair enough because there were a lot of really poor decisions in that game but he's just got to let it let it go and and get on with it I think really. Yeah, and there's also we created to... more high quality chances than anyone else in our team. So I, I was yeah. about I think to there's say a case that. for Emmy being he's disappointing in that everyone's expectations were so high, but I think he is actually playing pretty well. I think he's got four assists already this season. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not right. like he's not contributing anything. He's just maybe not contributing as many goals as we all felt. And you're right, the body language at times looks well, not very happy. Yeah, and he, and, he, think, and he throws you know, a drop and doesn't run back and defend. That uh, I've got less problem with the descents because I, th- I actually think you get away with a lot more descent in the Premier League than you do in the Championship. Um, but the, the my my issue, and I had issues with him last season as well. Um, but sitting on the floor and and throwing his toys out the pram. Yeah, you lost the ball, mate. You might think you've been fouled, but the ref doesn't think so, and they're attacking. So you need to get your ass back and help your your mates out. And that that is what really winds me up with Emmy. Yeah, I mean, I think to contextualise it, it, for me, he's not the most disappointing of the bunch, but he could perhaps be labelled as the biggest disappointment because his bar was so ridiculously high last season and we all expected him to be to be doing marginally better than he is. But there's absolutely no way that... I mean, a few people have talked on Twitter about dropping him and, and perhaps, you know, Campwell should come in for him. And for me, that's ludicrous, uh, as you've just said, Lorne. Biggest chance... I think he's... Someone had... had posted something the other day that he's got the highest chance creation outside of the top three clubs in the Premier League at the moment. You know, he's already got four assists. He's certainly, you know, kind of top of of many different chance creation tables um, if you discount a few of the bigger clubs. So I, I wouldn't, I don't think he's the most disappointing player in this squad. It's just that it has been a disappointment that he hasn't adapted as quickly as we all thought he might. Yeah. Next yeah, question. Next question. Let's have a random question. Here we go. I, I don't really know what this person's name is. They might be a bot, to be fair. Um, but it's on Twitter, and it's me, my monkey Basel, who says, "What's the worst Norwich player's haircut?" Now I'm presuming he's talking all time because he's nominating. I say he. This could be a lady, um, but they are nominating Colin Suggett's seventies perm, which, of course, I'm sure we all remember. I feel that I can't really criticise anyone's hair. I'll step back out of this one. You can, of course, you can. 
Well, no, like in the same way that Tom couldn't criticise anyone for being an emotional roller coaster, <laughs> I can't criticise hair. Yeah, but I've known you when you've had hair. And it was awful. <clears throat> no, it wasn't awful. It was just you weren't going gracefully and then you accepted <laughs> it. That's nicely put. So <laughs> the worst hair is Rantich's blonde hair. Oh, no. no I no, fundamentally no. disagree with that. That was yeah. lovely. No, I loved it. Yeah, that was beautiful. Um, I, I can't really, I can't really think of any awful. I mean, there's, there's been some haircuts that were of a time. I mean, the the early two thousands, there were some bright old footballers' haircuts. I mean, Hux will tell you himself when he told us at ACN Live, didn't he, that you know he's a little bit cringy when he looks back at some of the things that he, he pulled out of the locker. So I think we probably have to agree with Hux and say some of Hux's um, do's were a bit much. Yeah, they were. I they've remember not, they've not aged well. They looked, they looked like okay at the time, but they've not aged well. A bit like flares. What are we saying about um, Onel's man bun on a match day? Love it, beautiful, beautiful man. You, you having that, are you? Oh, oh he's yes. a beautiful man. I absolutely agree. I, I love a man prefer... bun. Uh, Brad, Bradley Johnson, superb, superb use of the man bun. Top, yeah, top knot, love it. That was a Hem- Henry Lansbury, top knot, love it. No, that was a shocker too. Not a fan of a top knot. Fionn, what you got? The one that's popped into my head, and I don't know why, is uh, Jim Brennan. In yes, Jim Brennan. 2003-4 era, he had this sort of weird quiff, and it sort of, it was sort of like an, almost a mullet, but not like quite. A fin. It was, it was just, yeah, it was a fin on top, and then sort of almost a mullet at the back, yes. uh, and it, yes. it was just not a good look. And I think yeah. he had highlights as well at some point. Fion, as guest, and that's the last question. It is your privilege to be able to select the best question that's been asked this evening so that they can win some exclusive along coming orange merchandise uh, i liked the one about the hair so we'll go with that yeah we i don't really know their name so if you're listening oh, yeah. and i hope you are then please get in touch with us and thanks for the lovely question Time for the Long Come Norwich quiz. Um, we are taking today's quizzy questions from Nevermind the Canaries, the ultimate Norwich City quiz book. Uh, so play along at home. Uh, turn to uh, page 85 if you want to cheat. Actually, no, 85's got the questions on, not the answers. Um, we're going to have. Oh, I've got the book here. We're going to have two sets of questions on the Lambert years, uh, and then one set of questions on uh, the local derby. Um, who's going to do the time for me? I'll do the time. Okay, so punt. Your time on first. The... Yeah, well, you can choose. Would you like Lambert years or would you like to do East Anglian Derby? Oh, fuck. I'm, gonna be... I'm not going to be very good on both. They're really um... hard. <laughs> Are they really? Yeah. And they're factual this, this week, so it's not even as if we can just throw in a random guess. They're, also quite, they're also quite long, so you might not get as many for your minute. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go Lambert era. Okay, good. They're, they're slightly shorter. Okay, your time, punt. Starts now. Who were the opposition in Lambert's first game as Norwich City manager? Wickham. Incorrect. Uh, the Canaries won only two of their first seven games of Lambert's tenure. Name the teams we beat as part of that slow start. Wickham. Correct. Uh, name one of them. Uh, with 44 league appearances from 46 games, this player made the most appearances for the Canaries in that League One title-winning season under Lambert. Can you name him? Quite Incorrect. 
Um, Norwich lost their opening game of the 2010-11 season uh, to Watford, a match that saw six Canaries make their first team debuts. Give me one of them. Simeon Jackson. Correct. Uh, Norwich sealed promotion back in the Premier League with a 1-0 win at Portsmouth. One of the players in the Pompey lineup that night made his Canary debut in the opening game of the following season, a 1-1 draw at Wigan. Who was he? Oh, shit. That's a really good question. Pass. Um, name the so player I... Norwich. Oh, okay. That's so quick. Did you get two? That was a great question. Did you get two? Um, probably. No, four. four. So you got um, so the so yeah, the opposition in Lambert's first game as Norwich City manager was Brentford. He watched from the stands, and then Wickham was the. And then was it was the Wickham. One. So he wasn't yeah, manager. That he's watching count. from the stands. That's uh, harsh. I am afraid that we have to go via the never mind the Canaries ultimate Norwich City quiz book. Right. If um, you like Ed Cousins Lake, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, you also yes, you got the Wickham bit one right. So that's two. Um, the fantastic question about Pompey is uh, Richie Delap. Oh, that is yeah. an excellent question. Yeah. The other well done. Ed, so can I just for balance just say well done, Ed Cousins. Like, <laughs> that was a really nice question. Yeah, because he really wouldn't have turned off after he said fuck you. Uh, <laughs> he could have had um, debuts in that game. John Ruddy, Elliot Ward, Andrew Sermon, David Fox, Andrew Croft, Simeon Jackson. That's a lot of quite significant yeah. players all starting in the same game. Um so, yeah, that was, uh, I think that was everything. Oh, no, sorry. And also the one who played 44 in 46 games, King of Spain, Simon Lappin. Oh. Um, so there you go. Uh, right, uh, Theon. Yep. You have got uh, a choice. You can either have uh, East Anglian Derby history or Lambert years. Ooh, let's go East Anglian Derbies for a bit of variety. Okay. So that leaves you with Lambert years in a minute, Lorne. Lorne, are you willing to do the time for me again, please, sweetheart? Yeah. Thank you, darling. Let me just get answers in front of me from this excellent quiz book, which was given to me by a friend. Won't name check them. They don't really like football. They certainly don't listen to this. Right. Your time starts now. Who scored the Norwich goals in our 3-0 win over Ipswich on the 20th of March, 1995, the last time the two clubs played each other in the Premier League? The last... 1995. Don't know. Okay. Um, what was declared open prior to the 3 3 draw at Carrow Road on Boxing Day 1979? 79. Uh, New River End. Correct. Um, very good. Uh, Steve Bruce famously scored the decisive goal in the Canaries 2 0 League Cup semi final second leg win. Who scored the first one? Mm, no idea. Okay. Uh, yeah, fine. Uh, which former Ipswich player scored the opening goal in Norwich's 8 0 win over Sutton United in the 1989 FA Cup fourth round? Oh, no. No, I passed as well. Uh, Club's first ever meeting in the FA Cup was 1962. Norwich's, Norwich winning fourth round replay 2 1 at Portman Road. In doing so, what did Norwich prevent Ipswich from doing that season? Time. Uh, winning the first division. By knocking them out of the FA Cup, we prevented the oh, horrendous possibility of them doing the league and the FA Cup double. Ah, okay. So managed miraculously to win the league that season. So I think you got one, which is the River End. That's not very um, good, is it? They are hard. Well, in fairness, Punt only got two. Um, Did Graham Padden score the other goal? Uh, Trevor Putney. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, uh, Putney Don, was Don, the Sutton United. Yeah, I said Don Dean D for the other yeah, goal. Don yeah. Dean for the first goal, yeah. Um, Before my time. Okay. 
Uh, so sorry, so they were they were tricky. Those they were. What tricky. were the other questions? Uh, uh, Jamie Curit and Ashley Ward and Darren Eady scored yeah, I knew the goal. And um, uh, you got the Boxing Day 1979 one. You got John Dee and well, we've recovered John Dee and Trevor Putney. Uh, yeah, and then you stopped. We stopped uh, the scum winning the double. That was that was as far as we got. Which leaves you, Lorne, two to draw, and your time. Now, name the centre-back signed on loan from Blackpool by Lambert in February 2011. Uh, pass. Uh, name the player Norwich signed from Liverpool for 800,000 in the summer of 2011. Uh, Pacheco? No, he's on loan. Pass. Incorrect. Um, the Canaries rattled in four goals against Newcastle in an impressive 4-2 win over the Magpies at Carrow Road. Uh, 10th of December 2011 Grant Holt scored two of the goals and Wes Houlihan won who got the other goal? <laughs> uh, Andrew Crofts Incorrect Norwich were awarded just one penalty in the Premier League for the whole of the 2011 season which team was it against? who was the scorer and what was the final score in that game? any, any um. of them any of them were <laughs> Everton um, uh, who scored those of goals for us in the Premier League? used to wear number 9 yeah. Uh, Paul Lambert's last competitive win as Norwich City manager came against which team? Time. Uh, Aston Villa. Uh, I will accept because it was on the buzzer and I, I didn't read some of them very quickly. So you got two. Well done. Um, Daniel Ayala was signed from yeah. Liverpool. Uh, yeah. uh, if anyone can get the Blackpool one, that is really impressive. Centre back signed on loan from Blackpool by Lambert in February 2011. I mean, I'm surprised there's not a statue of him outside the ground, to be honest. It's absolutely huge in our history. Rob Edwards. Of course. Yeah. Uh, Steve Morrison uh, also yeah. scored in that Newcastle game. Um, Blackburn Rovers, 3-3. Grant Holt, score, Holt he scored in the fourth minute of injury time. And yes, you got, you got Aston Villa. So you need a tie break, you two. Ron Ashman, 1950-51, right the way up to 61-62. How many times... Did he appear for the Canaries? Ron Ashman, I want an exact number, please. 355. Oh, I was going to go 363. Punt, you're on a roll. You win it. Um, I mean, to be honest, you weren't close. It's 662. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so, Punt, you're the winner of the quiz. Fionn, thank you so much for all of the away reports that people have been enjoying reading on Long Come Norwich. And thank you for joining us this evening. My pleasure. Punt and Lorne, you've also been involved. My day you go, everyone. Mm-hmm.